0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. God, thank you for your grace and your love. I ask you to just have your way here, Lord. I know you're here, Holy Spirit, already. Thank you for the time of worship. Um, the reason why we're here is because we believe. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. We believe in a heaven and a hell. We believe, Jesus, that you came from the grave. We rose from the grave and and you came from heaven to to conquer death. And our faith is in you, Jesus, who sits on the right-hand side of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way here. Work in me and through me. Direct my words and my mind. We don't need to hear a word from me. We want to hear a word from you, God. So possess me, Holy Spirit. And would you give God permission to speak to you? Would you just tell God, God, I need a word from you. Speak to me, God. Make that your prayer, will you? Make that your prayer. We pray all this, God, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, guys, I'm going to start off with a magic trick. A lot of people don't know that I used to spend time in Vegas doing magic tricks, but that was my side job. So I'm going to start off with it, and this is Ezra, my, my wonderful volunteer. I want you to, here, just go ahead and go through that and pick any card you want, Ezra. Don't tell me what card it is and just show everyone else. Um, and uh, after you pick the card and, and show everyone else, put it back in the deck. And, and uh, did you, everybody see the card? Don't shout it out what it is. Everybody got it? So that's the card. Okay, hey, did you put it back in there? Um, is it back in there? All right, so here it is. I'm going to shuffle the deck just so you don't think I know what card it was, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something like this because I'm going to know the card, and then I'm going to say, okay, Abra, Kadabra. Okay. Do you know where the card is at? Did you feel something go through your body as I threw those cards at you? Did you feel something weird like happen to you, like down your leg in your pants and through your underwear and into your shoe? Did you feel that? Check your shoe. Check your shoe. You s- check the other shoe. There, what fell out? Show everyone what it is. How about them apples? There's more. There's more. All right, come over here, Rez. I'm going to make Ezra disappear. In two weeks, I'm going to make Prairie Hills disappear. So right now, I'm going to make... <laughs> All right, here we go. Abracadabra! Oh, what are you doing You're supposed to run out of 95. Ow. All right, here we go. We're going to make him disappear. Abracadabra! Where'd he go? He's gone. <laughs> so... Guess who we're talking about today, the greatest showman in the, in the book of Acts. You know, anybody know his name? Simon. Simon. Anybody know about Simon the sorcerer? Simon the magician? Um, what I did for you right now was an illusion. It was, it was uh, you know, the, the whole thing behind, there's magicians who are illusionists. Um, that's not what I'm talking about here. The the magician who's illusionist, they have like a trick, you know, like there was a trick involved and it's the crowd's job to try to figure out what was the trick. But there's something about uh, another type of magic that is not an illusion, but you're a sorcerer and it involves like spiritual things. And that part, spiritual demonic intervention, that right there is spoken of in the Bible as sin and it's out of Leviticus, It's it's a terrible sin. Well, but well, that's, so, so there, I just want to make sure everybody understands. there's two different, two different types here. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 8. If so you're just joining us, we're walking through the book of Acts. Everybody has their unleashed church, which is really cool that you're, you're, you're wearing it. Um, Acts chapter 8 verse 4 it says this. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So let's just recap this. This was as a result of someone who was stoned, to death. What was his name, church? Got just, got just got stoned to death. What was his name? Stephen. That's right. Good job. Stephen got stoned to death. He's the first martyr. And as a result of that that horrible, horrible death, the Christians were scattered all over Judea, and Samaria, and they continued to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes God uses problems and persecution to push us into areas that we would not have otherwise gone, and God did that here with the early church. The church scattered because of persecution, and they continued to preach the good news. Philip, for example, verse 5, Philip, for example, went to the city of what church? Samaria. And keep reading. And... All right. So Philip if you recall this guy, this guy was 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 one of the seven, just like Stephen was one of the seven, and there was a problem in the early church when there were these senior adults who were being neglected and and that was the whole thing. They were Hellenists if you remember that. They, they were Hellenists. So so it's really cool part because Philip and Stephen, Stephen dies, he's he's killed, stoned to death, but Philip what they were doing was they were table servers. They were people who waited on other people. And God uses table servers. To, to, to just launch a revival, a movement all over Samaria. These guys are not ordained clergymen. They're, they're, not, they're not church board members. They're not pastors. These are regular people, just like all of us, regular people who said yes to God. And that's who God is using. Philip, his name means lover of horses. That's what his name means. And he goes to this place called Samaria. A little bit about Samaria. This is a half-baked religion. That's what Samaritans are. They're half Judaism and half paganism. It's a hybrid religion. They believed in the law of Moses, but not the prophets. They didn't believe in the Psalms, and they hated the Jews who lived in Judea and Galilee, and the Jews hated them. I want to stop right here and say you can't put God in a box. God moves wherever he wants to move. He moves wherever he wants to move. And that's why you look, when you look in the Gospel of Luke, you read about the story of Jesus going up to this well. And, and who was at this well? This woman. She was single. She had history. She had a past. This woman was a loose woman. She slept with many men. She's had many husbands. And Jesus starts talking to her. And do you remember her question to Jesus? What are you doing talking to me? Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Samaritans don't talk to Jews. See, every rabbi taught, you do not talk to any Samaritans. You don't do that, but you can't put God in a box. And you see, the gospel goes to Samaria. What a picture of God's love. The gospel goes to Samaria. Some of you, you have your own Samaria that you're living with or in, and it's just a blended situation, And you think, my my life is such a mess, there's just no way God goes to Samaria. Well, you need to think about that one long and hard. Verse 6 says this, crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their Victims. Have you ever seen a, like a legit exorcist, a demon leaving someone? It's graphic. It's intense. You, if you did, you'll never miss church again. I'll just tell you that. You'd be at church every single weekend and you'd be reading your Bible every single day. It's a real thing. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So you get it? So there's not only the preaching that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, but in addition to that, there's, there's demons that are coming out of people and there's miracles and people who were once paralyzed are now walking and, and the lame are healed as well and there's these works that are happening. And verse 8 says this, let's read verse 8 out loud, read with some boldness. So, one more time, if you, so there was great joy, great joy in the city. doesn't it make sense? Would you be happy if you were lame and you were healed? Would you be happy if you were paralyzed and you were healed? Would you be full of joy if there was a demon that was possessing you day and night and it was taken out of you? Would you be full of joy? Absolutely. There was great joy in this city. The greatest joy, hear this, the greatest joy you will have is when your soul is set free. The lie of the devil is this. You can live with that spirit inside of you every day. It's going to cohabitat with you. It's part of you. That spirit of drunkenness, that spirit of lust, that spirit of whatever it is, it's, it's that spirit of sexual morality. That spirit of anger. That that spirit of adultery. It can. It, the lie of the devil is you can be a Christian and live with that spirit. That's the lie of the devil. Jesus came to set you free. And these people discovered, not they didn't, even, they didn't only go to church. They didn't only hear the gospel, but they were set free. Their soul was set free. Nobody else will set you free like Jesus. Not sex, money, spouse, career, whatever. No one will set you free like Jesus. Nobody. Here comes Simon the Sorcerer, verse 9. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer. This word sorcerer literally means magic arts in the Greek language. It's the root word for which we get the word magic. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. So let's make sure we understand this. Simon was there before Philip showed up. Simon was amazing people before the gospel even showed up. This was his territory. Everyone, verse 10, everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one. The power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. This is so important. So this is a region that we're talking about. This is Simon's territory, and it reminds me, this is exactly what the devil does. The enemy does the same thing. I believe the enemy takes over territories, regions. If you don't believe me, go to certain parts of the world, and you'll see certain regions are caught up in a spirit of lust. Certain regions are caught up in a spirit of gambling. Certain regions are caught up in a spirit of homosexuality. Certain regions are caught up in an atheist-like spirit. Whatever it is, a spirit of doubt. And the enemy takes over regions. He does the same thing in homes. He does the same thing in homes. There is a reason why you may be struggling with your grandfather's sin or grandmother's sin. You may have grown up in a home where there was drunkenness, and now you struggle with drunkenness. Or you may have grown up in a home where there was anger, and all of a sudden now you struggle with anger in your home, and your kids might be, might, you might be passed on. God have mercy, God forbid. But there's a reason why these things happen like this. And in this region, the devil has these people confused. You know, God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. And the devil has these people confused and they're looking at Simon and they're calling him God, the great one. They're spiritually ignorant, spiritually ignorant. And they look at Simon because we're all built to worship something. And they look at Simon and they lift him up. And what does Simon do? You read this, Simon proclaims all this stuff. The last part of verse 10 said that he was claiming to be someone great. It's kind of like the Muhammad Ali. <laughs> you know, he was claiming to be someone great. I like what Jim Simbel has said. When people are used by the enemy, they boast about being someone great. When God uses you, you never boast about being great. You know who gets the glory. You know who gets the glory. If you have to tell someone you're great, then you're not as great as you think you are. If you have to tell someone you're great. Proverbs says this, let someone else praise you not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Let someone else praise you. Let someone else brag about you. You don't have to, you don't have to move the conversation in such a way where, where you're the hero. You don't have to move the conversation in such a way where people know what committees you sit on. You don't have to move the conversation in such a way so that people know the degrees you have or all the accomplishments and successes. You don't have to do that. Let someone else praise you. In the NBA, I realize this is not an NBA city. Everybody's hung up on the Broncos. They're going to do terrible this year. Uh, but in the NBA, um, LeVar Ball, his son, uh, this is LeVar Ball, and, and his son plays for the Lakers. actually just got traded to uh, New Orleans. Um, but he's known for just blabbing, talking, LeVar Ball. Some of you know who, who, who this guy is. But he said this. He said this. I would, and you see, back in my heyday, I would kill Michael Jordan one-on-one. That's what he said. This guy averaged in college two points a game. (laughs) Two points a game. Have you ever noticed when someone talks foolish, how foolish they are? Have you ever noticed when someone just talks foolishness, how foolish they are? How they can convince themselves of anything. What's the one thing missing in your life? If you think about Simon, the sorcerer, this guy was doing well. People were calling him God. People were attracted to him, and he was doing all these magic tricks and doing all this stuff, and he was successful according to the world standards. But there was a Simon behind the curtain. There was a Simon behind the curtain that nobody else saw. Verse 12 says this, But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. But now, but now, there's a new sheriff in town, right? Philip. He comes in and he's preaching and all of a sudden, Simon is doing all of his tricks and everything. It's kind of like that person who, you ever know someone who just works it? they know how to work a crowd. They know how to work people. You know what I mean? They're just pulling strings, and they just work it all the time. That was Simon. And Philip shows up, and he's preaching the good news of Jesus, and people believe in Philip instead, and they get baptized. When you get baptized, that's That's a, you know, that's a public demonstration of your new relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a public demonstration that you were dead in your sins underwater and you come up as a new person, alive in Christ Jesus, a new creation. So there were conversions that were happening. People were turning to Jesus and people said, I want to get baptized. I want want everyone to know that I'm a Christian. I want to do that. Verse 13 says this Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. Wow. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Amazed. I want you to to say this Jesus is the spell breaker. Jesus is the spell breaker. All those people that were looking at Simon, it was like they were under a spell. They were looking at him and thinking he's even a God. And all of a sudden, the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached and Philip proclaims it. And it's just like, just like that, the spell is broken. And they see Jesus for who he is. And all of a sudden, they look at Simon different. They don't look at him the way he used to. They used to. He's a spellbreaker. Simon is baptized. The sorcerer goes underwater. So something happened. Simon maybe had a conversation with Philip, and maybe he said, you know what? I give my life to Jesus as well, and he's my Lord, and what do I need to do? And for whatever reason, Philip was convinced, and, and Simon went underwater. They dunked him, and he came up. <clears throat> something the Lord showed me is this. You can be enamored by what God can do for you and not be enamored by who God is. Simon is looking at Jesus. And remember, he's amazed at the miracles that Philip was doing. He's amazed at the miracles. You could be enamored with what God can do for you and not be enamored by who God is. You could worship your blessings instead of your blessor. You can do that. You could be more in love with your house than your God. You could be more in love with your phone than your God. You could be more in love with your lifestyle than your God. You could be more in love with your job than your God. Even though God is the one who has blessed you and he's given you health, you could be more in love with your body than your God. You could be more in love with that woman than your God. You could be more in love with that man than your God. You could be enamored by what God can do for you and not be enamored by who God is. Jesus is more than just like positive spiritual meditation. Jesus is more than a positive attitude. Jesus is more than just something you kind of carry in your pocket and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. Jesus is more, he's he's your life. He is life itself. You're sitting here right now, and the reason why you're here is because Jesus is holding you together. He's everything. It's by God's grace that you're here. It's by God's grace. Look what happens. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message... These are the apostles in Jerusalem. They heard that Samaria, something's happening in Samaria. There's this revival thing going on. What did they do? They sent Peter and John there. Here comes the, here comes the heavy hitters right here. These are, these are the power guys. Peter and John are sent there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the who church? the. Did you put this together? We're going to get theological here just a little bit. They showed up. And they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers. And they received the Holy Spirit. Paul does the same thing in Acts chapter 19 in a place called Ephesus. Same thing. So I want you to to see what's happening. These are new Christians. They're new Christians, and they're there, but Peter and John show up, and they realize you're a Christian, but you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you are Christians, but you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It's a discouraging, frustrating, defeating life. You know that life? That's the life when you know Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, and Jesus wants you to live a certain way, and and, and you try to read the Bible, and you try to do the right things, and you try to make the right decisions, but you fail, and you fail, and you fail, and you fail. And that sin, that thing that has a hold on you, just keeps a hold on you. Other people see it. Other people see it. Whether it's that anger issue or that lust issue or that drinking issue you have or that doubt issue that you have or that promiscuity issue you have or that sexual immorality issue, other people see it. You're going to church. It's like like sitting in a car with nothing under the hood. Simon Peter, Peter shows up with John, and they say, you know what? It's great that you've received Jesus, but you don't know the Holy Spirit. It's possible to be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's possible. Jim Simula said it like this, it very well could be that the New Testament concept of Christianity is much fuller than we're used to people not only got saved but they were filled with the holy spirit that's the power that's the juice right there cuz otherwise it's just like a it's just a TED talk that's all it is it's just a TED talk let's just have let's just talk about kindness and goodness and recycling and being green and you know let's just talk about that it's just a TED talk But the Holy Spirit is a game changer. The Holy Spirit, when it fills you, it changes you and your desires change. And all of a sudden, you get this new power to live a holy life. The Holy Spirit gives you that power, gives you a new strength that you didn't have. And the Holy Spirit invades every dark place in your heart and your home and you're changed forever. It's impossible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be transformed. It's impossible. If you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in your life, the very Spirit that raised Christ from the grave, you are a different person. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And if all you have is Jesus without the Holy Spirit, you're missing all the power. Jesus came to save us from our sins, glory to God. But you need the Holy Spirit to live a holy life A righteous life. You need the Holy Spirit to kick every demon in the teeth in the name of Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit for that kind of life. That's the reason. When you get full of the Holy Spirit, this is not work. This is joy. This is joy. It's not work at all. Does this describe you? When I was, uh, I got uh, saved when I was 18 years old. Um, um, I was the first one in my family to come to know Jesus. My sister was the second one. She's visiting from Ohio. She's here right now with, with my niece, Lucy. And um, how old were you, Krisha, when you 12 years old? <laughs> 12 years old. When she came to my room to talk to ask me, what is going on, Reuben? You were changing, right? That was what she, she did. She, she saw the change in me because Jesus got a hold of me, and she didn't like it, and she just came to know Jesus a week ago, right, Grisha? No, like 12 years old, she came to know Jesus. (laughs) Just a sweet, sweet family. Pray for them. Her husband is a Navy doctor. He's been on deployment, many many serious deployments, and overseeing aircraft carriers, and this is a military family serving in our Navy, and they've averaged what in, yeah. Yeah, I think in what 12 years you've moved every 2 years in 12 years or something like that. That's all that's, this, this is an example right here. But um <clears throat> when Jesus gets a hold of a life, it changes. Everything changes. Everything changes when you say, Jesus, come into my life, and everything changes when you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. When I got got saved, one of the things I did was, uh, I'm going to talk about this, went to this thing called Nazarene Youth Conference. It was a youth conference, and it's where our students are going to Phoenix. And same thing, NYC, it's happening in Phoenix in two weeks or so. Is that right? I think it's in two weeks. We have about, uh, I don't know, 12 kids or something like that, high school students going to Phoenix. But um, I went to Maryland. I stayed at the University of Maryland. I just remember it was super hot in July in Maryland. And I remember that day when I was in the stadium at Maryland University, and I was listening to this guy named Tony Campolo preach a message. And he preached this message, and I realized I was a Christian, but I hadn't died to myself yet. I was a Christian, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit living inside of me. So I got out of that stadium seat, and I walked all the way down that stadium, and I walked to the to the ground, and I knelt down, and I humbled myself, and I said, God, use me any way you want. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take a hold of my life. And that moment right there is why I'm standing on this stage right here. Because I gave God permission, and I said, "Um, just use me any way. I, I completely surrender to you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Look what happens, verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, He offered them what church? He offered them because money buys everything, right? To buy this power. What do you think about that? He offers them money to buy that power. He sees these guys, Peter and John, lay hands, and he sees the Holy Spirit. Something happens, because it's not just laying hands, thank you, walk away. But there's something happens with these people, whether they're speaking in other languages, like in Acts chapter 2, something is happening. And he sees that, and he's attracted to that. And his first thought is, how much will it cost? And the reason why he's asking that question is because that's where he came from. That's how he sees things. Because where he came from, he was in love with money. That's why the whole show, he's the greatest showman. He's doing all this because he was all about money. And now he sees a better show. And he thinks like a human. And he looks at God. And he looks at what God can do. He's enamored by what God can do and not who God is. And he asks the question, how much? how much? What will it cost? Then he's verse 19. He says this, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. We have a little bit of Simon in all of us. When you first turn to God, here's what we do growing up for the most part. We want to have fun in life. want to have fun. We want I think all of us could say, yep. We want to have a lifestyle, a quality of life. I think all of us would agree with that. We want to have a certain amount of money. We want to live in a certain neighborhood, a certain kind of house. We want to have certain kind of floors and certain kind of countertops and a certain kind of family and certain kind of car. And When there's this thing that we come to God with, and this is the way we're building our own castle. So when we initially come to God, it's kind of like, You know, God, I've been working on this house. I'm trying to position myself in my career. And now that you're in my life, here's my expectation, God. You're going to carry what I've already been doing. It's just going to be on steroids now, God. And you're going to give me a bigger house. You're going to help me be successful in my career. You're going to give me more money. You're going to give me more health. You're going to give me more freedom of time, a better quality of life. And you're just going to take what I started, God, and you're going to enhance it. Same thing. Simon says, This is what I've been doing. Oh, but with God, I can do more. I can make more money. We approach God the same way. This is my box, God. Now I'm going to give it to you because now you're my God. You're going to make my box bigger and better. Let me tell you what God does He doesn't care about your box, He cares about your heart. And what I've discovered is He will take you places you've never imagined. He will give you joy that you never thought you could have. He will fill you in ways that you never would have thought you could be filled. You're chasing after things. Your prayers are too small. Your imagination is too limited. God can do much, 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 much more. He can give you life to the point where all of a sudden you think, you know what, I thought I needed a woman, but all I need is Jesus. I thought I needed that man, but all I need is Jesus. I thought I needed that career, but I've learned all I need is Jesus. And the richness and the wealth of knowing God surpasses everything you have been chasing. Everything. You just it's like a grenade, you just boom, blows it up. Beautiful. You have no life, but you have an amazing life. And then you learn this thing called contentment. And you're content driving your 1972 Ford Maverick. Just beautiful. There's nothing wrong with money, guys, but it's not the treasure. It's not the treasure. Look what happens. Verse 20, Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Who says this? Peter. Peter. How would you like it? You know, I'm known for being bold and talking and speaking truth, but how would you like it if I just took it to another level and just said stuff like, you know what, <laughs> you're struggling with this drunkenness or you have an anger issue or you're robbing God by not giving your tithes or you're not giving yourself, you haven't denied. You know what, you'd probably say, I'm never going to go to that church again. That's what you'd say. Who does he think he is? He's judging me. Who is he to judge? And I look at Peter and he just calls out this guy right on the carpet. And he says, you know what? You're gonna go to hell. You better start praying because you're on your way to hell and may your heart and you're, you're so bitter and you're going, that's the road you're going on. You're gonna be destroyed unless you repent. Totally calls him out. And did you see that? He said, you're full of bitter what? Maybe Simon, maybe this was it. Simon was all about, money and and the gig and being the greatest showman and maybe it was just that simple that he was jealous because philip had a better show philip had a better following he had more followers (laughs) he had more followers i mean maybe it was just that simple that this whole thing about getting baptized, what do I need to do? All right, I need to go to church. And what do I need to do? All right, right, I'll go. how much do I need to give? Okay, what's the minimum I need to give? I need to serve. What do I need? Okay, what's, what do I, what's the least amount I have to serve? What do I just need to do to get through it? Okay, now give me the power. Give me the power now. <clears throat> Maybe it's just jealousy. Jealousy is so strong. It can divide a team. It can divide a marriage. It can divide a home. It can divide friends. It can divide a church. Jealousy. It's really interesting that in the middle of blessings, you can have jealousy. People are hearing the gospel and the lame are walking and demon you know, extraction is happening. I mean, just beautiful time. And you have this jealousy in the camp. Jealousy in the camp. Galatians says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there This dying to yourself. Since we are living by the Spirit, this is someone who's being full, who is filled with the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in what church? In what church? In what church? In... in, what church? in <coughs> Turn to the person next to you and tell them every part. Tell, tell them every part. Tell, tell them every part. Every part. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Not most parts. Not the parts that you're okay with, but every part. Every part of your life. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Simon says this, Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you said won't happen to me. Because that's what Peter said, you're going to go to hell (laughs) unless you repent. He's like, no, 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 pray for me. Pray for me that that won't happen. Verse 25 says, After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. The heavy hitters are going back home to Jerusalem. And they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. So you have Simon who pops up in Acts chapter 8. We don't know a whole lot about him. We don't know whether he went to heaven or hell. We don't know anything. But Simon is there as an example for us, for you and for me. We can chase God, but not chase God. You can be a Christian, but not be a Christian. You can be a Christian, but not full of the Holy Spirit. You can be a follower, but not die to yourself. <clears throat> you can be the greatest showman. fool everyone but not know the greatest you can do that Um, I want to close the service like this guys would you mind please standing up and um, if the Lord has been stirring your heart can we get our prayer partners to come forward if the Lord has been stirring your heart I want to encourage you to come forward and pray prayer is such a big part in Thorn Creek Church we believe in prayer and if, if maybe maybe in this whole message, your heart has been stirred or maybe you need the Holy Spirit and and maybe you just need to, I mean, if you want the Holy Spirit, you just need to say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and, and let these two people pray for you. That's why they're here. God, thank you for your grace and your love. You're so good, God. Would you continue to have your way here, Lord? Move in the heart of every person and we just humble ourselves before you. God, I know I sense your spirit moving, Lord, and young and old. I pray that they see you and they don't get hung up by anything else. I know the enemy does that sometimes in sermons. May they not get hung up on a word, Lord, but may they see you, Jesus. And if there's someone here who needs the Holy Spirit, would you say this? Jesus, send your Holy Spirit on me, fill me. Consume me. Take over me. Give me a power I've never had before. Give me a a willpower that I've never had before. Give me strength that I've never had before. May your Holy Spirit invade every part of my life, Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a Christian without anything under the hood. I want your incredible Spirit of God living inside of me. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to come forward for prayer, please come. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting Give.